from VOA, Press Conference USA. Here is your host, Carol Castiel. Welcome to Press Conference USA on The Voice of America. Our special guest on this edition of the program is Congresswoman Judy Chu, a Democrat from the state of California. As we commemorate AAPI, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month, we are delighted to welcome Congresswoman Chu, who is of Chinese descent. In 2009, she was the first Chinese American to be elected to Congress in history. Representative Chu currently serves on the powerful House Ways and Means Committee, which has jurisdiction over legislation pertaining to taxes, revenues, social security, and health insurance for senior citizens, or Medicare. In that committee, Congresswoman Chu is a member of the subcommittees on health, worker and family support, and oversight. She also serves on the House Small Business Committee and the House Budget Committee. In 2011, Congresswoman Chu was elected chair of the Congressional Asian Pacific American Congress, KPAC, which advocates for the needs and concerns of the Asian American and Pacific Islander community across the nation. She also helps lead the so-called Tri-Caucus. That's a joint effort with the Congressional Black Caucus and Congressional Hispanic Caucus. She also co-founded and co-chairs the Congressional Creative Rights Caucus, which advocates for the copyright protections of those in the creative industries, such as music, film, and visual arts. She also serves in the leadership of the House Democratic Caucus as a member of the Steering and Policy Committee. In honor of AAPI Heritage Month, we are delighted to welcome Congresswoman Judy Chu, who joins us from California via Microsoft Teams. Congresswoman Chu, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. We're delighted. Let me ask you first, Congresswoman, what prompted you or inspired you to run for Congress back in 2008? Well, uh, I never thought that it would be an elected official, let alone a member of Congress. But my political journey started uh, way back in 1988 when there was a terrible situation occurring in my city of Monterey Park. Many immigrants were moving in. The old residents were uncomfortable. They started an anti-English only, or I should say an English only movement, which um, said that only English should be spoken in the city and there should be only English uh, books in the library as well as uh, only English on the signs on the city. The last straw was when they passed a resolution saying that only English should be spoken in the city. When they did that resolution on saying only English should be spoken in the city, uh, a multi-ethnic coalition of us uh, circulated petitions. I got thousands of signatures leading us to overturn it. But it was clear that the city council didn't represent the city. And so I did run for city council. I won and worked very hard to make this city an inclusive one where we could appreciate all the diversity that was in the city. And I served as mayor three times. It was then that uh, I uh, ran for state assembly and then the states elected to Board of Equalization. And while I was there, a surprising thing happened. Uh, President Obama uh, announced his selection of Hildo Solis as the Secretary of Labor. It opened up the congressional seat. And on July 14, 2009, I was sworn into office. But uh, what was even more amazing was the next day when President Obama called me 
to congratulate me on becoming the first Chinese American woman elected to Congress in history. Absolutely. It really is a, a major accomplishment. And before we get into the contributions of your community, California is a large state, all of our audience knows. And I'd like you to tell us a bit about your district, the district you represent now as a member of Congress and its Asian American population. My district includes the West San Gabriel Valley and the foothill cities of the San Gabriel Mountains. The San Gabriel Valley is known as an area of great AAPI concentration. There are many immigrants from Asia that have moved there from Hong Kong, Taiwan, China, uh, from the different uh, countries of Asia, and they've made for a rich and vibrant community. And in fact, um, I feel that uh, this district uh, is so exciting. It's a concentration of um, a great deal of business activity because of this tremendous diversity. And so um, I'm very, very proud to represent it. And I feel that it's so important for me as a result to make sure that I speak up in Congress and work on issues pertaining to immigration as well as on small business. And of course, we know that, you know, you are the chairwoman of uh, KPAC, that is the Congressional Asian Pacific American Caucus. So I want to ask you a bit more about that. But first, with respect to the need for more education about Asian Americans in this country, I note a recent article in the Washington Post that talks about the dearth of classes about Asian Americans in our schools, even though according to the Pew Research Center, there are 22 million Asian Americans who trace their roots to approximately 20 countries, and they have enriched our country enormously. I'm wondering your take on this movement and the Asian American Education Project, which aims to get states to incorporate lessons about the AAPI population in our schools on the theory that education and history can combat hate. How do you see that? Well, this movement to have an Asian American curriculum is um, something that was very much in the forefront as we fought anti-Asian hate. Now, discrimination has occurred against AAPIs throughout our history, but it reached its height at the beginning of the pandemic, especially when President Trump called the virus China virus, Wuhan virus, and Kung flu. He put a target on the backs of all AAPIs, and as a result, we now have 11,000 documented anti-Asian hate crimes and incidents. It was as though almost every one of us knew somebody who had been pushed, shoved, slandered, or even murdered. And so we fought that, but we also knew that it was important for us to educate Asian Americans on the need to get our information out there. And so this is when we knew that it was important to do a number of things. One, to have a curriculum available. And indeed, there is actually a free Asian American curriculum that is available to anyone so that any teacher can look at it and pick out some lessons for their classroom. We also knew that it was important to get information on the history and contributions 
of Asian Americans into classrooms. And so that's why we are urging all school districts and for there to be legislative efforts on including AAPI history in these curriculums. Because shockingly enough, there are many, many Americans that don't understand that, for one thing, there are a number of different subgroups within the Asian American population. There are many Americans who don't understand that there were some terribly discriminatory acts like the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882, or maybe don't even know about the Japanese internment camps of World War II. There are many Americans that don't understand the contributions of Asian Americans to this country. And that is why we have had congressional gold medal ceremonies for um, Japanese Americans during World War II, who, of course, had their relatives locked up in the camps, but also for Filipino Americans and Chinese Americans. In fact, we just did the congressional gold medal ceremonies for Chinese American veterans of World War II, who served this country despite the fact that the Chinese Exclusion Act still made them second-class citizens. They were discriminated against, and yet they fought for this country anyway. And so we want Americans to understand this. Now, thankfully, there's been such progress. For instance, Illinois passed a law saying that Asian American history had to be in the curriculum of the schools. And uh, California passed a law saying that every student, high school student, needs to take an ethnic studies class. So there is this movement afoot amongst the different states and localities to indeed do this. But of course, they need the push. And that's why so many advocacy groups in the Asian American community are doing this. Exactly. And there's also a movement afoot, perhaps to create an Asian American Pacific Islander Museum on the National Mall. Are you in favor of that as well? Well, we pushed it very heavily. This was one of our projects for Asian Pacific Heritage Month this May. And we were so proud because the House did pass it. And the Senate then just passed it last week. So now it is on President Biden's desk. So we're so happy. But I do have to tell you, doing such a museum is not easy. It takes a minimum of eight years, but you have to start somewhere. So this is actually the first step in getting this to happen. It would be a Smithsonian Museum devoted to Asian American history. So again, people will understand what happened discrimination-wise, but also the contributions of Asian Americans to this country. And what would it be like to have so many thousands of visitors from around the country visiting that museum, really understanding what the Asian American community is all about? Indeed. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Press Conference USA on The Voice of America. Our special guest is Congresswoman Judy Chu, a Democrat from the state of California. And I'm Carol Castiel. This is a reminder that our PCUSA podcast is available on most of your favorite podcast apps. VOA Current Affairs programs, Press Conference USA, Encounter, and Issues in the News have migrated to the voaafrica.com page. But you may still access Press Conference USA by entering the URL voanews.com slash PCUSA in your web browser. The same goes for Encounter or Issues in the News. To access Encounter, just type voanews.com slash Encounter. For Issues in the News, just type voanews.com slash 
issues. You may also follow us on Twitter or connect with us on Facebook at Carol Castiel VOA. Well, here's a shout out to a loyal listener and Facebook fan, Osman Abukar Moalim from Somalia. If you want to hear your name and home country on the air, please send an email to PCUSA at VOANews.com or better yet, like us and leave a comment on our Facebook page. For more on the contributions of Asian Americans, we would be remiss if we did not mention BTS, also known as the Bangton Boys, a South Korean boy band that was formed in 2010. According to numerous sources, BTS debuted in 2013 under the South Korean entertainment company Big Hit Entertainment. The Septet co-writes and co-produces much of their output, sources say. Well, Reuters News Service reports that the White House said in a statement, quote, K-pop superstars BTS will head to the White House next week to address hate crimes targeting Asians and people of Asian descent with U.S. President Joe Biden. Close quote. The Reuters article posted verbatim on the VOA News website further quotes the White House statement, which says, quote, Biden would host the Global Phenomenon Musical Group on Tuesday, May 31, and would discuss Asian inclusion and representation and address anti-Asian hate crimes and discrimination, which have become more prominent issues in recent years, unquote. Reuters says that the seven members of the South Korean boy band are known for their upbeat songs and dances and have built a loyal global fan base, winning the IFPI Global Recording Artist of the Year crown in February for the second straight year. Here is a sample of BTS's music from one of their top hits, Spring Day. BTS performing their top hit. According to Reuters, the meeting at the White House comes as May's recognition of Asian American and Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander Month comes to a close amid a sharp upswing in hate crimes against Asian Americans in the past year. Attacks against people of Asian descent have escalated as some politicians and pundits have encouraged Americans to blame China for COVID-19, among other tensions. Just this month, a man was charged with allegedly shooting three women of Asian descent at a hair salon in Dallas, while another man in California was accused of killing one person and wounding five others in a shooting at a Taiwanese-American church. Authorities are investigating both incidents as potential hate crimes. The K-pop stars are also known for using their lyrics and social campaigns aimed at empowering youngsters since debuting in 2013. According to the White House, President Biden and BTS will also discuss the importance of diversity and inclusion and BTS's platform as youth ambassadors who spread a message of hope and positivity across the world. And now we return to the conclusion of our Newsmaker interview with Congresswoman Judy Chu, a Democrat from the state of California and the first ever Chinese-American woman to be elected to Congress. And she joins us as we commemorate Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Congresswoman Judy Chu, we were just talking about the possibility of the Asian American 
Pacific Islander Museum on the National Mall, which would be extremely exciting. And as you said, it's going to take a lot of time and money, but well worth it. And I want to go back to another piece of legislation that you co-sponsored with Grace Meng, and it has to do you know, with combating crimes against Asian Americans, particularly in the wake of COVID-19, and particularly and most unfortunately because of language employed by former President Trump dubbing coronavirus the Kung flu or Wuhan flu, and really, you know, making a target of Asian and Chinese Americans. So you, along with Grace Meng, co-sponsored the COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act, which obligates the Justice Department to review expedite hate crime reports related to the pandemic. So tell me about how much progress you think this is making so far. It's been about over a year, I believe. Ever since President Trump started uttering these words at the beginning of March 2020, of course, the number of anti-Asian hate crimes and incidents rose. And we did everything possible, press conferences, statements, hearing, and of course, legislation. So we were so thrilled when President Biden won because the first thing he did was to condemn anti-Asian hate, but also issue an executive order instructing the Department of Justice to find ways to combat anti-Asian hate. But also in May, he signed our COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act. And it was so incredible to be in the White House uh, standing behind him as he signed that bill into law. It actually doesn't just fight anti-Asian hate. It actually fights all hate crimes. You see, the prosecution and handling of hate crimes is far lacking. And this bill helps to improve things in a number of ways by having this special prosecutor focus on expediting the prosecution of hate crimes, but also having a special hate crimes coordinator in the Department of Justice and also making sure that there is consistency amongst local law enforcement in terms of how they treat hate crimes, because there is far too much difference in our local jurisdictions across these states, of which there are 15,000 of them, in terms of how they classify a crime as a hate crime, how they prosecute it, and what training they have in dealing with it. So this bill does all of that. I do have to say we have followed up on the implementation of it with uh, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland. And I am pleased to say that they have taken this seriously, having appointed all the people to these prosecutor type positions and other positions that are involved in this act. And also already dispensing over $20 million of grants to local jurisdictions to improve how hate crimes are handled. Congresswoman Chu, you referenced very dark periods in our history with respect to discrimination against Japanese Americans and Chinese Americans. So I'd like to give you a chance to talk about some of the contributions of Chinese Americans and other Asian Americans to this country, if you would like to highlight some examples. Well, yes, Chinese Americans and Japanese Americans and AAPIs in general have been working across all industries at all levels of our government. And uh, well, let's just look at our representation today in terms of Chinese Americans. There's not only 
me, the first Chinese American woman elected to Congress, but also Grace Meng, the first Asian American elected on the East Coast to Congress, and Ted Liu as the other Chinese American member of Congress. We also have U.S. Trade Ambassador Catherine Tai and Boston Mayor Michelle Wu, who in a stunning upset won that position. Uh, in the entertainment industry, we remember the incredible on-screen achievements from Bruce Lee to Anna Mae Wong to modern-day actors like Lucy Liu. And um, even in the face of racial discrimination, Chinese Americans have risen to the moment and valiantly defended our nation. In fact, I talked about the Congressional Gold Medal to World War II veterans. In fact, my father was one of them. Judson Chu was an Army radio communication sergeant serving in Okinawa during World War II. And his service, as well as the service of 20,000 other Chinese American veterans, is why we awarded the Congressional Gold Medal, which is the highest civilian act that Congress can bestow. Indeed. And I hate to turn to uh, another topic that actually speaks to racial discrimination here in this country, but I'm forced to do so. And that is combating not just hate crimes, but racially motivated violence that we saw earlier this month in Buffalo, New York, where an 18-year-old gunman drove hundreds of miles to target a predominantly black supermarket and allegedly murdered nine people. We see this nexus of hate, racism, and easy access to guns. That's what makes America so unique. Uh, he was motivated by racial animus, some sort of great replacement theory where he fears, you know, somehow the white race will be replaced, so to speak, by uh, minority communities, egged on by, you know, Jews. So there's a lot of anti-Semitism. We just witnessed this horrific school shooting in Texas, 19 elementary school children two adults senselessly killed. So Congresswoman Chu, knowing that you are uh, passionate about uh, diversity and fighting hate and violence with guns, what type of multi-pronged approach do you see as feasible, especially given the divided Congress? Is there any common ground to move the needle on gun safety legislation in your view or early intervention, detection of, of these warning signs? So when the Buffalo shootings happened, I had a flashback and I flashed back to one year ago when a shooter bought a gun and then that very same day went to an Asian spa in Georgia and he knew he would be killing Asian women, but he did it with such deliberateness that he shot into that one spa and then drove 27 miles to two other Asian spas and shot in there, killing eight people with six of them being Asian women. So he did it with all deliberateness. And he knew the end result would be the killing of Asian women. Just like this young man who shot into the Buffalo supermarket knowing he would kill black people. And so uh, there are so many things in our gun laws that need to be changed. I do have to tell you, we have been working for a long time on this. I'm talking about as a Democrat in Congress. Seven years ago, we introduced the bipartisan universal background checks bill. And uh, we have actually passed this out of the House. It is awaiting action by the Senate. It is ready to go. And it is something that will reduce the availability of guns to so many people in this country who should not be able to get them. So we have a solution. We also actually passed out 
the gun loophole law, which said that you could still get a gun if a background check did not come back as long as three days passed. We extended the number of days. We also said that you can't get the guns through a private sale or a gun show. You still have to go through a background check. That is the other bill that is actually on the desk of the Senate. We are just awaiting the votes. And we know that once passed out of the Senate, it would be signed by President Biden. So that's how close we are to ending this madness, this madness, which just tears at me, especially with what happened this week with 19 children and two teachers being killed just like that. And by the way, in Georgia, there was not even a waiting period. This 21-year-old bought the gun that same day and was able to go out and kill people. Of course, there also needs to be a waiting period as well. Indeed. And if you'd be kind enough, Congressman Chu, before we let you go about abortion rights, we are seeing the possibility of Roe v. Wade, the 1973 law that allows for a constitutional right to an abortion be overturned. State after state now is enacting very restrictive abortion laws, particularly Republican states. Oklahoma now the most drastic. What can be done in your view if you agree to avert this trend? I have been the lead in introducing the Women's Health Protection Act, which would enshrine Roe versus Wade into law and cover all 50 states, making sure that women have the rights that they've had in this country for 50 years. It passed out of the House. It was actually the most pro-abortion bill ever passed by Congress out of the House in history. It is also waiting action in the Senate. President Biden has promised to sign it. What we need is for the Senate to pass it so that all women can be protected. Congresswoman Chu, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it and we wish you the best. Thanks. Congresswoman Judy Chu is a Democrat from the state of California. Congresswoman Chu, thanks again for your time and your terrific insights on so many important issues. And before we leave you, our dear audience, Americans celebrate Memorial Day on Monday, May 30, to honor our veterans. I leave you with an editorial from the U.S. government. Next, an editorial reflecting American ideals and institutions. On the last Monday in May, Americans honored those men and women who answered their nation's call to duty and lost their lives in service to their country. America has been forged in the battle and the fires of war, said President Joe Biden. Our freedom and the freedom of innumerable others has been secured by young men and women who answered the call of history and gave everything in the service of an idea, the idea of America. And it is every year on Memorial Day that we remember the sacrifices made by the few to benefit the many, a recognition of their contribution to the defense of the United States and its ideals. The Memorial Day observance goes back to the late 1860s, as the country recovered from a devastating civil war. In 1868, three years after the conflict ended, but while the losses of loved ones were still painfully raw, General John A. Logan, the commander-in-chief of a Union veterans group, proclaimed May 30th to be a day for honoring the 620,000 or more American soldiers killed in the Civil War by decorating their 
graves with flowers. After the First World War, fought just half a century later, Decoration Day, as it was known up to this point, was redubbed Memorial Day and came to be observed in honor of those who had died in all U.S. conflicts everywhere. War and conflict, death and loss, are not relics of our American history. They're a part of Americans' story. Here in Arlington lie heroes who gave what President Lincoln called the last full measure of devotion. They did not only die at Gettysburg or in Flanders Field or on the beaches of Normandy, but in the mountains of Afghanistan, the deserts of Iraq in the last 20 years, said President Joe Biden. And on this Memorial Day, we honor their legacy and their sacrifice. Duty, honor, country. They lived for it. They died for it. And we, as a nation, are eternally grateful. That was an editorial reflecting American ideals and institutions. And that's our program for the weekend. Thanking again our special guest, Congresswoman Judy Chu, a Democrat from California, for joining us as we close out Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Press Conference USA on the Voice of America was produced in Washington with technical assistance from Rick Pantaleo and Kim Lewis. I'm Carol Castiel. Join me again next week for another Press Conference USA on the Voice of America. America.